2024 elections will deliver a coalition for the first time at a national level. The driver for that ultimate fall of the ANC below 50% will be the major metropolitan municipalities. I'm Carol Ofori, and this is the Carol Ofori Podcast for thought-provoking conversations. As it currently stands... Of the 43.2 million South Africans who are 18 years or older and eligible to vote in the 2024 general elections, only 26.2 million are registered to vote. This is according to the Independent Electoral Commission of South Africa. Now, this means at the moment, only around 62% of South Africans who are eligible to vote will have the opportunity to take part in the upcoming national and provincial elections set to take place in 2024. And as we approach these elections, there is still very little agreement between analysts and commentators about the most probable outcome. Now, the biggest talking points is the share of the vote that the ANC is likely to garner as the ruling party. And what about the What about the EFF? And another big question, why should every South African even bother to vote in the upcoming elections in 2024? With me right now to unpack all of this, I have Dr. Ongama Mtinka. Dr. Mtinka is a senior researcher, political analyst, lecturer, and nonprofit organization executive based at Nelson Mandela University in Kabeja. Dr. Mtinka holds a PhD in political studies and a master's in South African politics and political economy from Nelson Mandela University. Dr. Mtinka, thank you so, so much for joining us to have this very, very important conversation around these upcoming elections. Only a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'd like to jump straight into it. Are we going to see some big changes in leadership? What are your thoughts for 2024's elections? 2024 elections will deliver a coalition for the first time at a national level. I think the driver for that ultimate fall of the ANC below 50% will be the major metropolitan uh, municipalities and provinces, including Gauteng, um, KZN, as well as obviously the Western Cape. The results, in my view, will drop below 50% for the ANC. If you look at all the polls at the moment, their average is 43% for the ANC. And that, in my view, reflects a correction of uh, all the polls which have been on the extremes, some of them above, slightly above 50%, and others at too much uh, below, in, the, in the lower 40s. I think that the realistic picture will be that the ANC will settle at about 46 to 47% if we take those polls and compare them with recent election results. Wow. So what does that mean for South Africa? Well, it will mean that for the first time, the transformation of the dominant party system, which we have observed since 2009, would have culminated in uh, a multi-party democracy. We've mm. gotten a fair, a, a, some taste of it at a local government level, and the implications of that in a, a, of a change are significant in the sense that the good thing about a dominant party system is that decision-making at the national government level is pretty seamless. The bad thing about it is that it actually is subject to capture because of the simpler you know, dynamics of power that are there. Once you have a multi-party system, the locus of power doesn't reside with one party. It resides with multiple organizations. And in a proportional representation system like ours, 
even smaller constituencies represented by smaller parties will have a very interesting power base in the sense that they will now form part of coalitions that are likely going to be formed after the elections next year. If we look at just South Africa, as you mentioned, uh, smaller metros actually going into these multi-party coalitions, we have seen, for example, a major example would be Johannesburg specifically. The city it just seems to be in shambles. It's a fight over mayor. It's a fight over who's going to do this, who's going to do that. And it seems the chairs are more what the fight is about over actual service delivery. Now, if this happens on a national scale, this is traumatic. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. First things first, we do know that the instability that we are seeing has not come uniquely with the coalition environment. If you look at municipalities like Nelson Mandela Bay, Mm-hmm. And the other metros, KZN, in Etequin in KZN, and I think to some degree, Gauteng, what you had was that you had internal party instability as a result of warring factions within the ANC, hence the president's thesis of a party at war with itself. Mm. That conflict had resulted in, for example, in Nelson Mandela Bay, between 2011 and 2016, we hardly had a city manager that was able to conclude more than 18 months in office, nor could we have an executive mayor that could finish their term. So the point I'm making is that the instability that we now see started under the dominant party system. And it's going to continue in coalitions because if you couldn't retain stability while you had one party, it follows that you're not going to have it in coalitions. However, Carol, what I like the most is that our parties are learning how to do coalitions better. So mm-hmm. the multi-party coalition, I forgot what they call it, a multi-party pact or a multi-party coalition, that is an attempt at making sure that you have some institutional mechanisms to to improve relationships among coalition parties. I think that also, in terms of behavior at a national level, the likelihood to keep stability is going to be a key driver of how coalitions are formed and sustained. I'm getting the impression that you are pretty much for a multi-party government. Would I be wrong? So by that, I may, I do not mean the official DA-led multi-party government per se. Which one gets to be there is going to be a function of voters. But my realistic estimate is that the ANC is going to be better positioned to constitute a coalition because of the margin by which they are going to be under 50. Mm. They are not going to need, in my view, either the Democratic Alliance nor the EFF. And as a result of that, they will be able to constitute a coalition with centrist parties. That's important for policy continuity perspective. I think that an opposition-led coalition will most likely stand a chance, not in this election, but most likely in 20, will have improved chances in 2029. Next year, in my view, it will be for the ANC to take.
Okay, so if I'm getting the picture right, it's, it, we're looking at ANC taking it, but it's the question around who will they work with sure. to run the country? Can we walk through some possible friendships that may form? We do know with the big giants, DA, EFF, there's been some serious contention with both of them as parties as they differ on policy quite drastically. What do you see as the, the viable partners and the viable holding of hands with the ANC going forward? Interesting. So the parties that have not yet formed part of the multi-party coalition, I I think I I must just search what that right word is. Those parties that have refused to be in that multi-party charter, I think, of the DA and others, are the most likely partners to the ANC. But even them, it's not going to be smooth sailing because in terms of what they say are the issues with the ANC, they cite corruption, among other things, as a reason to get rid of the ANC. However, you have in the party system closer allies who may be more prone to form a coalition with the ANC. My view is that the ANC's desirable position will be to form a coalition Uh, with parties that are not going to put it further to the extremes. And the UDMs, the K-Action SA has made their voice very clear, so I don't think they are a prospect at this stage. But who knows, you could find Busa, you could find Rise Mzansi, these DA splinters that do not come with the racial baggage of the DA, Mm -hmm. uh, but come with that center-right politics you know, of the DA. And then you've got the Al-Jamaz of this world. And if you look at the stance of the ANC towards the Palestinian crisis, the relationships, I think, with Al-Jamaz are going to be a lot deeper than they have been. I wouldn't be surprised if some of the parties within the multi-party charter actually end up also being enticed to form a coalition with the ANC. But they have made it in the DA among others, have made it quite interesting and difficult for the ANC to lure any one of them by introducing some legal mechanism that binds them together. Also, Carol, some people have come up with the scenario of the coalition between the EFF and the ANC. I think that it will take a lot for the ANC to consider a coalition with the EFF. Mm. They know that the EFF is not a passive partner. It's the kind of partner that's going to want to bargain very hard. And with the EFF, you do not negotiate at the start of the coalition, and that's the end of it. As the governing happens and there's an opportunistic process, say, for example, there's a law that needs to be passed, say, around uh, expropriation of land without compensation, it's it's not uncommon for the EFF to still evoke their right to pull out of the coalition should the coalition partner not come to party when it comes to passing a particular piece of legislation. So as a result of that, I doubt the ANC is going to be too keen on partnering with the EFF. So what we can agree on is the fact that the ANC is going to take a little bit of a beating in simple language come Mm. the 2024 elections. It seems that's the consistent I've heard from many political analysts and also the studies that have been done to establish who could possibly lead the pack in the 2024 elections. With that being said, surely when, when one loses, another gains. 
Are we going to see certain political parties gaining more seats in parliament due to their performance in the 2024? And which political parties do you think will pick up strength? I've heard word of the Freedom Front getting more more support uh, from DA uh, splinters who've left the DA moving more to uh, the Freedom Front. I've heard of EFF getting more support. Will COPE get more support? Which parties are, are we going to see strengthening in parliament? So I wrote a piece uh, which I haven't finished yet called Dynamic fragmentation and small parties in South Africa. So in the, the argument there is that even as particular small parties come and go, the idea of having small parties is permanent as a feature of our system in terms of the future as we know at the moment. What I mean by that is that in successive elections, it's not going to be uncommon to see the rise of particular small parties even as others struggle to come back to parliament. COPE is going to be have, is going to have an interesting year. If they make it back, it's going to be interesting. I think they have a huge mountain to climb to make sure that they retain a seat in the National Assembly. I think all the splinters of the DA, let me say effective splinters. I can see rise South Africa in parliament. I can see BUSA in parliament. I can see Action SA very, uh, definitely. I mean, Action SA was an interesting I wanted to say poster child, but I don't think that's a good concept. But they were a good party in the last election, you know, securing seats within a short period of time. So I think they are guaranteed, I think, good party, patriotic alliance. Um, and then the long-established identity politics party, I think they're going to lose out a little bit. People either as over-assume the likely performance of the EFF or they underestimate it. My sense is that the EFF is going to grow next year, but not by the margins that people are saying it's going to grow by. Um, it's probably going to settle at around 50, 15% um, uh, if it continues to do what it does. But should there be something really drastic, it might test uh, a range between 15 to 16%. I doubt it's going to get to 18 as per some of the polls. When I look at the polls, the, the, the polls have been pretty accurate for me in terms of the likelihood to perform of the DA. I think that range between 18 and 23% is a realistic range. The reason why I doubt we're going to see significant growth is that the party has done a lot of shooting itself in the foot in the since the 2019 shock by the Freedom Front Plus. And I think that they alienated the liberals, the white liberals, uh, to some degree, to such an extent that some of the staunch white liberals would actually be attracted to even Herman Mashaba, the ones that had actually appreciated a little bit of integrationist politics. Like the bulk majority of white liberals, in my view, will remain with the DA. But whether DA is also facing a challenge is with respect to the minority, the greater minority vote. Uh, remember in 2004, the DA consolidated its base as the main minority party uh, where some a colored vote, some Asian vote, you know, found affinity with it. I say some because that voter base was split between the ANC and the DA. But I think that there's a lot that has been made, especially around the colored vote, for example, in terms of the parties 
uh, that are contesting in that electoral market, as it were. So that makes things very difficult for them. So 30 years, it will be 2024 from our first time standing in lines to vote. And in 1994, we knew majority, if not all South Africans, were voting based on their race and what they felt would serve their race better. It's sad that 30 years later, the racial thing still stands and we're still voting according to that. Yes? I felt that this remains a big issue in South Africa. And the reason why it remains a big issue, it's because of the heritage of the dominant parties being the ANC and the Democratic Alliance and to some extent the EFF. Now, my sense is that these parties have had an overbearing contribution to the politi- to race politics in the country. I'm excited that the the DA has undergone the process of splinter that it has faced because remember it had the potential and I wrote this in an article in 2019 that if they are going to be able to stymie the departure of the conservatives the conservative voter base they might just become the first truly multiracial and representative party except that as a as a response to the freedom front plus growth they panickingly went against that broad church politics path that they were on which they needed in order to attract the majority voter base in south africa so once they did that to themselves the center left uh, for lack of a better word of their own voter base is going to find a home in Musimaimane, in Herman Mashaba, in Songa Zozibi. And for me, those parties do not present a, as much racial baggage as the three major parties present in South Africa. And that bodes well to try and push the politics of this country further away from racial race dynamics. One thing that's beautiful about South Africa is our democracy allows independence. It allows parties themselves to be on that ballot paper. And truthfully, for the voter, it can be exceptionally overwhelming. Does such a busy, inverted commas, ballot paper help or hurt the democracy of South Africa? Here's my hypothesis. We have had a challenge of potential voters that do not vote because they felt that their choices were limited. And a lot, of, a lot of them had this no alternative thesis. Now you have alternatives which do not have the same history that the DA has. And for me, for a South African voter, that's very interesting. Somebody who would not turn up at an election because they felt there were no alternatives, all of a sudden faces an opportunity to have a lot more parties they can vote for compared to not voting at all. So we should look at how busy the ballot paper has become from the perspective of the potential voting population that's now going to be energized to vote compared to that boycotting uh, segment of the population that felt hard done by the trajectory of the ANC while at the same time not uh, trustful of the Democratic Alliance yet. Let's look at the ANC with Saul Ramaphosa at the head. 
What does the future of him as a leader look like within his party? Considering, I think he's probably had it the hardest. He took us through COVID. He's had his palapala situation. Right now, there's this war happening. There are so many things that are plugging into his five years. What does his future look like in the ANC and for, you know, the future of South Africa? I think he's had it the hardest, but I also think that based on the politics of post-Nazrek too, is going to be rewarded by being the one president who can control the process going forward in terms of who gets to succeed. So it's interesting that he's had the brunt of an ANC that was at war with itself in his first term. And in his second term, uh, in fact, beginning from the middle of his second of his first term towards the beginning of it, of the of the new term, he, he became a dominant player within the party and has had dependable allies who are now in positions of power who are going to give him a unique position similar to Mandela of determining the shape, pace and form of the transformation of the ANC going forward. It seems to me that unless there's a curveball maybe that may come, he is in a position where all the battles that he has faced, he has won politically. And as a result of that, he is now in a position to write his own succession plan and actually get enough political support to make sure that that becomes a reality for them. Who do we see taking over? Um, Very interesting. You know, I would say among some of the younger generation of leaders there, maybe in their 40s, We've got some some exciting uh, young people that are coming up. The people in their 40s at the moment, okay, I know, I'm, I'm now using young in ANC, <laughs> in ANC terms. Right. <laughs> Think about the uh, Minister of Justice, the Ronald Lamolas, the Marupini Ramokopas. You know, I know that Kumbuzo Chaveni is rough around the edges sometimes, but I think that those are the leaders that they should begin to look at. So it's not an obvious Paul Mashadile step into the limelight, take over the world. I think South Africans are tired of that politics of that group. I don't, I, I mean, this group is, in my view, I know this is highly general, generalizing, but that group has been so caught up in corruption scandals, infectional scandals. I think they've had their fair share. You see, I, I say this, that the ANC is facing death. Mm-hmm. What they control is the manner of death that it dies. If you die in the hands of the older generation, including the Mashatiles, you are killing the prospects of the party to rebuild. If it dies in the hands of the younger generation, they still have significant runway in terms of agility to to be able to rebuild the party after its death. And when I say death here, I mean falling below 50%. The last um, Sir Ramaphosa was up against Nkosa Sanat Lamini Zuma. Will there be possibly room for a female president through her this time around? (laughs) Again, I mean, the same sentiments. Where would she or... Minister, uh, former Minister Lindiwe uh, Sisulu or the Matabile Laminis of this, where would they be going? Uh, we should be talking the Stella Ndabenis, notwithstanding some of the anxieties 
that have been there, the Marupine Ramakupas, that's the future. If you're going to be talking female leader, I think that there are some prospects. I think it's a bit cynical now to, to think that South, South Africa must be beholden to these liberation fighters in perpetuity. As a voter... Next year, I'm a voter, I'm going to the polls. What am I looking to vote for? Not necessarily a political party, but what are the key elements that I should be looking for for a better South Africa, a less crime-ridden South Africa, South Africa with employment, a South Africa that we start blurring somewhat the racial lines and start working together to build our country. What am I looking for? Interesting. So the reason why we have a proportional representation system is so that whatever diversity of interests that inform our voting, that parliament would reflect the aggregated preference of South Africans as far as their political interests are concerned. So for me, okay, there are voters in South Africa that are looking for radicalism on the extreme left or right. And those are going to be voting for the EFF and Freedom Front Plus on polar opposites. Then you've got the voters that are looking for experience, looking for a break from the ANC and do not mind racial dynamics. Those are going to be voting for the DA, the ACDP, the Ingata Freedom Front, and those range of parties. And then you've got voters that are anxious that if power shifts from the center left to the center right, then there may be a negation or a, a, pu- a pushback against transformation. Those voters are going to vote for the ANC. Then you have voters who are tired of the political extremes, who are looking for a break from the toxic politics that the ANC and the DA have come to represent. And those are going to be for voting for the new kids on the block. Of all the political parties, which one do you think will be most satisfied come, well, we're assuming May next year when the elections happen, that's the rumoured month? Who do you think is going to be the happiest? I think that the new kids, in varying degrees, rise has been very visible. I think they're going to be happy. I know Herman Mashaba will be very happy. So it looks to me like the DA splinters are going to be very happy and the ANC is definitely not going to be happy. The DA might be just satisfied that maybe they stop bleeding further, but they should be open to surprises as well because they are in the same position the ANC has been in since 2009, facing these politicians who are experienced uh, who come from them who are now challenging their voter base. I think that the Freedom Front Plus and the EFF will also be somewhat happy because I doubt that they're going to decline. You see, there's been a growth of what people have called right-wing politics. I know I'm going to be in trouble with the EFF for that. Uh, you know, their politics borders on extreme left politics to sometimes uh, fascist. So these parties have been growing globally. And the biggest question that is actually the root of this podcast is why should every South African bother to vote in the 2024 general elections? First of all, there are alternatives. Secondly, if you do not vote, we have a saying in political science called tacit consent. Tacit consent means that even if you protest and not vote, you you consent and in fact endorse the outcome of the election. So it's important for us to go and vote. 
and you may be voting for continuity or you may be voting for change. Our democracy needs it. That's so beautifully put. Anything else you want to share in the lead up to the 2024 elections? I feel like a lot of us are very nervous about this election. We're all kind of, you know, jiggy jiggy about what's going to happen at this next election. Um, but anything you want to leave us with, impart us with, with regards to this? In South Africa, we need to stop our search for a political messiah. The idea that there's going to rise a politician or a group of politicians that will take us to the promised land. We have to realize that all of us need to leverage our skills, need to leverage our networks in order to make South Africa better. You cannot have a political system that delivers the results that we need when you have a lethargic, indifferent and nonchalant society. Thank you so much, Dr. Ngama. Like, I think this conversation has been so needed and so important just to sort of hash out the possible outcomes of it and also kind of calm the ship, you know, calm the ship to say we are in an interesting phase of our politics. We're in an interesting phase of our country's democracy. And this more than ever is a time for us all to be very interested and vested in what happens in these elections specifically. Indeed. No, thank you. Thanks a lot for hosting me. Keep doing this. We need as many voices uh, add out there as possible. That's the Carol Ofori podcast. For thought-provoking conversations, listen at ecr.co.za under podcasts or your favorite podcast app.